0: Welcome to Pet Lover Geek, the Pet Hub Podcast, where we dig into 21st century product trends, we chat with experts about the best parenting tips out there for pets, and we even explore some of today's cutting-edge scientific research and advances for our fur kids. Now today, we are going to learn about the secrets to understanding your pet's behavior so that you can help keep them safe and happy. Back in 2014, Pet Hub started National Lost Pet Prevention Month so that we could dive into deep conversations of all the ways that pet parents can prevent a pet from becoming lost, as well as how to get them quickly home if they go AWOL, you know, absent without a leash. So over the next few weeks, we are bringing you in-depth interviews with some of the leading pet industry experts who are going to talk with us about lost pet prevention and recovery, and that includes pet behavior and more. Kicking off the discussion with one of the best tools that we as pet parents have when it comes to lost pet prevention and recovery, and that is behavior. Our pets have mastered communicating with us via their body language and behavior, but it's our job to learn how to read those cues and understand them. And through those cues, we understand our pets' feelings. How are they happy? Are they confident? Are they scared? Are they insecure and stressed? And that will help us keep them healthy and safe at home. I am so excited to introduce our guest today, Jamie damato migdal Jamie has been innovating in the pet industry for nearly 25 years, and she currently reigns as the CEO and founder of FetchFind, which offers on-the-go staff training and business solutions for the pet industry. She also happens to be one of my favorite people on the planet, and I'm so excited to have her here. Under her leadership, FetchFind has been recognized for numerous awards, including one of the top five most innovative pet care companies via the Pet Care Innovation Prize Award from Purina. Purina. So today, Jamie and I are going to dive into some of the best tools, strategies, and techniques that will help you not only read what your pet is trying to tell you, but also understand it as well, because Jamie is a dog training expert, and we are so lucky to have her on the show. Jamie, welcome to Pet Lover Geek. You've been on the show before uh, talking about
1: dog training tips, so I'm really excited to dive into this with you. All those same compliments back to you. I love you. I love your company. I love to be here with you. And if I can be helpful to pet owners, I am here for it.
0: Oh, well, awesome. I'm I'm excited about this. So let's just jump right in. they view their pets has just changed dramatically over the last few uh, decades. Even since I was a kid, it's changed dramatically. And some surveys report that as much as 95% of pet owners consider their pets to be members of the family. I mean, I know we do. We call them our fur babies. So during your time in the industry, I just like you to talk in general about some changes maybe that you've seen in the way we approach pet parenting and how we care for our pets in general.
1: So it's a big question. And I love that you said, and I love that you recognize that pet care has, or pet ownership and all of the sort of the, the energy behind pet ownership has shifted over the last two to three decades. Um, when I first got into the industry in 94, um, you know, it was just very different. People did two things and they did them very well. Number one is they really trusted their pet care professionals to be the experts in their life. So whether you were a dog walker or a trainer, or you owned a facility, a groomer, veterinarians aside, of course, um, you know pet owners were really great about using those professionals as a resource for information, support, etc. Um, and then the other piece that has shifted, uh, or what used to be, I think, the sort of the go in the golden age, if you will, um, is the the how shall I say this the quality. Of dogs. The German Shepherd of 95, as an example, the German Shepherd of 95 is a very different German Shepherd in 2020. Everything from their physicality, their emotional stability. So these two factors combined, sort of the the shifting of pet owners experience, how they find information, how they share information, who they consider to be the experts. And also the quality of, of pets that we're seeing in the country right now. And frankly, you know between, um, you know, there's some quality issues with dogs that are being bred, and there's some quality issues with dogs that are coming out of shelters. And so you put those things together, where people are overwhelmed and don't necessarily lean on the folks that are there to help them, and you've got dogs that maybe are a little bit more behaviorally challenging. Uh, you, it's a it can be a rough road for people, and and so. I appreciate very much that behavior is, you know, behavior is a number one killer more than more than any other disease. Even combined, heart disease, cancer, all of these other issues that dogs are known to have, but behavior is the number one.
0: Well, and it's one of the number one things that leads to a pet getting lost. In the first place, which is why you're here talking with us today, uh, because, you know, as we've included our pets more and more in our everyday lives, there's a lot of things that like we get complacent about, you know. and And that's one of the reasons why this lost pet prevention month, we are going back to basics. And we the very first thing after you do pet identification, the very next thing for lost pet prevention, is going to be behavior. So can you talk a little bit about like, no matter how long you've owned a pet, whether you're a brand new pet owner and you're just figuring this stuff out or, or like, you're like me, you've had dogs and cats all your life. And I am, I've gotten complacent in paying attention to those behavior cues of dogs, letting me know that they're They're uncomfortable. They're not. They're not having a positive emotion. But maybe I'm not reading it well because those uncomfortable moments, those nervous moments, those anxious moments, those sad, upset moments can often lead to a dog, quote unquote, running away or or getting themselves into a displaced situation. So can you talk a little bit about some of those really common things
1: that people just need to start being aware of? There's a myth that goes around in dog training, which is that. Dog training requires effort. It's like it's a thing you've got to like put on your calendar, you've got to pay for it, you've got to do Or you've got to carve out. And it feels overwhelming. And I think that because dog training has that same connotation of working out, people just do nothing versus think about a way to incorporate it. Just like with working out, go for a walk. Uh, going for a walk with a friend is working out. But you don't think of it as working out. Dog training is the same thing. There are ways, beautiful, brilliant ways that if you incorporate a couple of key things into your life with your dog, you don't ever have to put dog training—I put that in my air quotes—on the schedule. The so I have a I have a six-pound Chihuahua mix. Now she is a Hurricane Harvey um, a rescue, and we were just fostering her. We, failed as, as most people do with the six pound chihuahua but anyway um so she so her sister our older dog unfortunately did just pass away a couple of weeks ago um and she and when you have two dogs in the household what ends up happening is that there's like a relationship that develops that um uh they facilitate each other's behavior so training is a different beast when it comes to multiple dogs now that Lindsay is gone and I haven't had one dog in a really long time Having just sassy on her own, I'm back to basics. It's because she doesn't have her facilitator anymore, which was Minzy, which helped Minzy helped her to have better behavior. I'm seeing a dog I've never met before because two dogs together are very different when you separate those dogs. Very different behavior. It's a completely different animal in many, many ways for reasons that we don't have time to get into today. That said, I'm back to basics myself. And you know what I do, Lorian? All I do, in fact, it's on my desk over here. All I do is I bring my bait bag outside. My bait bag is a little thing. You can use a fanny pack, a pocket, of, you can put treats in your pocket, soft, compelling, delicious, unique treats. And they could be human food, as people call it. So pieces of hot dog, cheese, bacon, what have you. And you go outside and you use the treats. You call your dog to you while you're walking your dog on a leash. You pop a treat in their mouth when they are standing nicely, when they're standing nice and close to you. You become, a, you become a factory. You become a Pez dispenser. And becoming a human Pez dispenser while you're outside with all of the distractions is the number one way to regain that attention, that trust, build that relationship. And it is on food. Dogs are food motivated. They like stuff just like we like stuff. You like stuff. Oh, yeah, totally.
0: I'm food motivated. I'm like so food motivated. <laughs>
1: food, money, attention. Those dogs are the same way. And so really dog training is as simple as thinking of working out as going for a walk with your friend and getting your five or 10,000 steps in that way. Taking a bait bag, going on a leash, going outside, grabbing a long line, going to a local park, playing monkey in the middle if you have a friend or someone that you live with that could be on the other end and you guys call the dog back and forth. It is fun fun. Training is supposed to be fun. And I think that because we've become very serious in many ways as a pet owning society, that's okay. Our industry grows through that complexity. However, there's basic things. Dogs are still dogs. Yes, they've changed in many ways over the last several decades since pet ownership's been on a, on a huge, um, you know, as it's gone up and it's, I mean, I don't even know how much it's gone up. I, I forget. So 17 billion when I got into the industry. Now we're going to hit 100 soon. So yeah, it's I think up. we just
0: hit 93 billion last year. It's insane. So, you talked a little bit about you know getting the trust back and getting the dog focused on you and that kind of thing. There's a lot of a dog anxiety now. You hear about it all the time. And there's also some concern of what's been going on late, lately with the pandemic and people being stuck inside with their dogs so much right now, what's going to happen when people start going back out into the workplace and that anxiety, especially separation anxiety. And that anxiety we know can lead to dogs getting out, you know, r- running away, that kind of thing. So I would love it if you could talk about steps to number one, if you have a dog, even when you're home, has anxiety issues. What steps you can do to help to help them get get uh, through those anxieties, to deal with the anxiety. But also then, if you're preparing to go back into the workplace, you've been working from home, and and now maybe your state's one of the lucky ones that can actually quote unquote open up, and you're going to be going back out, um, spending more time away from home. What kind of things can we do as pet parents to help curb that anxiety and help help the dogs
1: with that? The anxiety that dogs experience in many cases stems from the household. You know, dogs really enjoy um, as, as few stimuli as possible. Um, and stimuli is everything from doorbells ringing, kids, uh, UPS trucks, all of the things that they're experiencing at a very heightened level when people are home. When people aren't home, as a sort of a typical schedule of an American worker, Um, you're gone eight to 10 to 12 hours a day, dogs sleep that whole time. In fact, the average dog requires or should have about 16 hours a day of rest. And so I guess what I'm saying here, and this is probably a bit of a controversial statement, but I would say that if we don't understand what dogs actually are, what they need and who they are, just genetically speaking, the anxiety becomes, it's a cyclical situation because we're not letting them I mean, my dog is laying here with me right now. She'll sleep there for eight hours by letter. But most people don't let their dog sleep for eight hours at a time during the day, right? Because of the stimuli of us being home and things happening, but also we want to be with our dogs. So come here, come here, let's go for a walk, extra walks. So what is happening is dogs' brains legitimately aren't getting the rest that they need to recharge themselves. And so it becomes a physiological consideration more than just a DNA-driven anxiety. So the reason we're seeing the rise in anxiety is not because all of a sudden the DNA makeup has changed. It's because the way that we treat our dogs and the way we misunderstand what dog's need has shifted. Dogs need a lot of rest. They need to be left alone. They need to have low level stimuli. Um, And so that's not always possible. The best thing you can do is get everyone on the same page to do as little touching as possible. So let the dog just be no, don't. It's always us that we're encouraging all of this connectivity and wanting to touch and go see if we can do a hands off for maybe from lunch to dinner. We just don't touch Fido. Just let him, let him or her just be themselves. It's kind of
0: back to what my mom said when I was a little kid, that whole let sleeping dogs lie thing. And I, yeah, I actually, it's funny because I grew up like never waking up a sleeping dog. And then I got my own dogs as an adult and I started that way. But then it got to the point, exactly. I started work from home and something like that. I'd be like, oh my God, he's so cute. You know, I go wake him up. And of course he's like, I love you, mommy. I want to be with you. I want to play with you. And so, uh, yeah, basically I have my own worst enemy when it comes to that kind of stuff, totally. So th- that's definitely the stimuli thing. The other thing that's coming up that um, I think is really important is let's talk about, it's the summer. The reason we did Lost Pet Prevention Month in July July 4th, number one day for dogs getting out. It's also summer in general. We have just here at Pet Hub, when we're we're getting our call center stuff, we get many more calls in the summertime because people are in and out. They're going on vacations. They're going camping. They're taking the dogs out to the park, et cetera, et cetera. Can you talk about some of those basic fundamental as it were commands like things that you need to make sure that behavior wise you have down pat with your dog so that it's it's really like a a safety a prevention thing i mean i know for for us when the doorbell rings our dogs now go to their place because otherwise they'd run to the door and then I'm having to manage them being at the door with whatever delivery person I'm having to to deal with. So we have this go to your place and both dogs sit in their place. They know they're getting something awesome as soon as I release them. (laughs) But that's for us how we mitigate the, the doorbell opening and everything like that. So can you talk about some of those back to the basic things that you need to make sure you have in place for safety for dogs
1: getting out? So number 1, congratulations. Go to place is actually a fairly elevated dog training concept. <laughs> no, no, but for real, like that's 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 if everyone can teach go to place, then you know a dog just wouldn't run away. Yeah. And go to place is something you can still build in as an armchair dog trainer. You still don't need to carve out the, you know, the dreaded I need to dog train today. So go to place is sitting on your couch or sitting on a chair free space, which I'm sure that you and your husband have done that, where it's a dog bed, ideally on the floor. And every time they self-select to go into the dog bed, good job, name it, good place, that's dog training. And you can do it throughout the day. So I guess what I'm saying here is it's not something you have to train as much as you just have to reinforce a natural behavior. After a week or so of that consistently, then you can start testing it. We call it proofing. You can start testing it where you can say, Roxy, go to your place, see what happens. Just see what happens. With dog training, it's always about testing where you're at and then setting from there. I think where dog training gets overwhelming where people go wrong is they look at it as a recipe versus a process. My dog has a place that even when I'm getting out of the car and I'm taking her with me, she has to lay in the back on her little red bed before I will open the door and take her out because I want her to be in that place. Because cars, as you know, are a huge, huge. place yeah. that dogs will absolutely. Like in the car, you don't have that natural ability to reinforce it throughout the day. Um, so in the car, I did what you do. If you're going to have to do that is you lure a dog back, they get on the place. So in this case, it was a dog bed in the back of the car. Good job. I call it get in the back. She gets in the back, treat, get in the back, treat, get in the back, treat, get in the back, treat. And then after, you know, she's actually a very smart little dog for for this little one that I'm calling this creature. Um, And she, she was able to do it within a day. And most dogs, if you do it consistently, Take your emotions out. Lower your expectations. And If a dog is mildly intelligent, not all dogs are the same intelligence level. Let's just be honest. There are really dumb dogs. But most dogs have some moderate level of intelligence to be able to figure these things out. And, and then, of course, there's dogs that have incredible incredible uh, aptitude to, to learn and uh, be, re- be reinforced. Don't put pressure on yourself. Think of it as a process, especially the house stuff. Enjoy it. Uh, you can videotape. You can have someone videotape how you're doing it, so you can actually look and see what your own sort of, sort of how you're managing and maneuvering that. That's also an interesting thing to do. But I guess you know, at the end of the day, there's also the leash. Um, in my house, we have two leash, fixed leash setups. They're two little hooks that I've mounted into the into the into the wall into the baseboard, and that's where a leash always lives. And if I need to, because we're having a lot of things happening the dogs just get tied up. So I don't have to
0: worry about it. Yeah. And and that's a great thing too. We have, we, we use doggy, uh, well, <laughs> child gates, cause we also have a baby, but we have, we have certain places of the house that we absolutely need to make sure that people are staying contained people being both the dogs and the baby. We, we put up the, the gates for sure. Let's shift gears and talk about fetch find a little bit because, um, I want, I don't want to, I don't want people to leave the podcast today, not knowing the great stuff that you guys do over there. So, um, I would love it if you could talk to a, just a little bit about what you do directly with businesses in the pet industry, you know, and, and to help them in this advancing world about the new way we look at our pets how we over-research everything, but also how we're looking for the best practices. So can you talk a little bit about how you work with businesses at PetVine to, to do that for pet parents?
1: Yeah. You know, that's, thank you for making that available and, that, and bringing out, and that into conversation. That means a lot, of course. And I know that, um, uh, means- deeply appreciated. So here's the deal. What we just did today is what we do for pet business owners is we give them information that they can pass on to their employees and onto their clients. So everyone's on the same page. We basically create a same page thinking. So because in dogs and in pet care, there's a lot of myths and everyone does, oh, my grandpa did this, or this person did this. But really there's no level setting going on. So FetchFind is an online learning platform that level sets. Science based, research based, humane based animal training and care. And it's in, you know, we, we, we have badge learning, gamification, all of those sort of fun aspects. But at the end of the day, all we're doing is giving practical advice in a very cohesive, user friendly experience where folks can learn about how to take care of pets and so business owners will subscribe to the platform and then they pass it along. They give logins to their employees and sometimes to their clients and that really does create a oneness around how we think about dogs and development and training and nutrition and all of the things. When we have a client, a subscriber, and our most of our subscribers, we have a thousand subscribers and most of them are pet business owners. So they own a doggy daycare or they own a grooming salon or they are a dog walker, a pet sitter. We are having more and more, especially during pandemic, ask those clients, ask us, can I give my clients a login so they can see what we're learning? Which has been fabulous. And listen, the reality is that how we put our content together is made for a pet owner. Because the nice thing about our industry, as you know, yes, we're all pet owners. We're pet owners. So we design content just like you guys do. That is user friendly for a pet owner, even if it's at an advanced level of, you know, even if the expectations advance, we're still creating education and content that is made for for everybody. Uh, you know, and we, we are making it public that we just, starting in October, will be providing education to all of the pet finder shelters. That's exciting. It is. So we have, we are building content right now, taking some of the content we already have and integrating that with some new content and fusing it to make sure that the the shelter staff and volunteers and foster families all have the right information as well, because it breaks down a lot in that environment and in that universe, because it's so chaotic and shelters are doing their very best to keep things on track. So we're coming in as an education solution. So, so the shelters can get what they need and pass that information on along in a nice cohesive area. Yeah.
0: And that's, I think that's really great to have that level playing field for as many, um, you know, starting points. Frankly, let's be honest, shelters are where a lot of pet ownership begins for the first time. And so having that playing field where everybody kind of is on the same page uh, is really exciting. And I'm so excited for for your project. Thanks.
1: And and we are too. And we're excited to work with you guys on anything that we can uh, do to help Well, you know, you know, we love,
0: look, we love helping people with anything that has to do with keeping their pets safe and home. Because if, if you went to all the effort to become a pet parent, then you want that pet to stay home safe with you. Jamie, I got to thank you so much for joining us today on Pet Lover Geek to talk about all this fabulous stuff.
1: My pleasure. I loved it. I'll always talk about Pet Lover Geek stuff with you. You're, you're my favorite Pet Lover Geek.
0: Oh, wow, well, thank you so much. Well, thank you for being with us today, Jamie and pet lovers. If you want to learn more about Jamie and Fetch Find, you need to head over right now to Fetch Find dot com or you can visit all of their social media channels as well facebook you name it they're all they're out all over the place there be sure to tune in for pet lover geek over the next few weeks to hear more from industry experts about how you can keep your pets safe happy and home until next time this is laurian clemens with pet lover geek from pet hub